0: Episode 18 of Design EDU Today, the podcast series discussing topics concerning the state of interactive design education at institutions of higher learning. I am your host, Gary Rosance, Assistant Professor of Graphic Design at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Today's guest is Joni Trithall. Joni is the head of design at Now Secure, the computer and network security firm. She is also an instructor with Girl Develop It, teaching intro to CSS animations, and an intermediate writing SVG course, which she literally wrote a book on called Pocket Guide to Writing SVG. Joni is also co-founder and co-organizer of ELA Conf, a conference about empowering more women to be leaders in tech. Joni has a BA in History with minors in Anthropology and Political Science, and an MS in Human Services Administration. More importantly, however, she is a self-proclaimed pretty good doodler, an obsessor over semantics, so obviously she has decided to try doing these things for a living. Welcome, Joni.
1: Thank you. Thank you for that lovely intro. That was very nice.
0: (laughs) Thanks. You, You do a lot of amazing things, so trying to sum it up in two paragraphs was kind of hard
1: yeah now that I hear it like said back to me it is a lot (laughs) (laughs) I do sleep though I swear you would never guess by the intro but I do
0: well good um well actually you know how okay how this wasn't a scripted answer because I have a list of you know questions I wanted to ask you but how do you how do you maintain that balance because yours is crazy
1: yes um, it's very difficult. Um, honestly, if I said I had any answer, I would be lying because I, I still haven't quite figured it out. Um, I've had to learn the hard way to not take on too much. Um, it's just a lesson I'm constantly having to learn and we're in a really unique industry and in that it will be entirely all consuming if you let it and very unapologetic for that. And so it'll just run you into the ground almost. And you really just need to be aware of certain boundaries that you have. Um, learn when you just can't learn something, or at least learn it to the extent that you personally want to. Um, sometimes you just have to know enough to get by on, on your current project, and then that has to be good enough at times. Um, which can be really challenging, but if you don't learn how to say no, it really does catch up with you for sure.
0: Well, thank you for saying yes to doing this. <laughs>
1: of course, <laughs> I, I was very excited about this.
0: Yeah, and in, in one one follow up on that balance. When I'm teaching students, I'm teaching them, you know, HTML and CSS. And I'm telling them, like, you know, it's a foreign language. It's something that you have to practice every day to get proficiency at. There's no, like, magic bullet. But I think illustration's the same way. So yes. how do you – what what's your drawing practice like that you can keep up with the skill sets that you've had all your life? Um, Sorry for the curveball.
1: <laughs> no, it's totally – that's a great question. Um, it's really hard. When I was starting out not long ago, um, I – and then, you know, just I guess as a disclaimer, like going back to school for this was just totally not an option for me. I've I've been to school most of my life and it just wasn't possible. So as soon as I realized I had to, to learn this stuff myself um, and I was on my own, I just started making a list of things that... I was that I have to know, you know, based on what Twitter is telling me. I have to know, and what blogs are telling me. I have to know before I can call myself a real designer or a real developer. Um, and that quickly gets out of hand because the best tools for the job change every day. Um, the job changes every day, and if you if you think of it as a list of things you have to do before you can start you'll never start, because the list grows every day. It's still growing, Um, and that's okay. I see that more as being exciting now than scary, Um, but I think the biggest challenge for me was just accepting that I can only do so much, and um, I started with just creating my own little projects. My very first project was a children's book, so that's what got me into illustration. I've always been very artistic in that I've always drawn and painted. Uh, I'm not good at those things but I enjoy doing them. Um, so Illustrator was just another tool that I had to learn, just another medium for being artistic. Um, so I just started really small and I documented everything I learned as I learned it um, and published it on on my blog for the world to see which was um, very hard to start doing. Um, getting over the fear of of being wrong, I suppose, um, publicly, that was hard. Um so so, yeah, it's just about breaking things down into manageable pieces. And when you have a project in mind, your curriculum um, sort of organically unfolds because you need to do certain things to to get your project done. So it might be a little wonky, honestly, like i I learned SVG through writing and illustrating a children's book and needing to get those graphics on the web. And then I very reluctantly, kicking and screaming, uh, learned HTML and CSS because I needed it. I, I kept hitting roadblocks with, with what I was capable of doing. Um, it wasn't enough to, to finally get the graphic on the web staring back at me on the screen. I wanted to move it, so, so I had to learn CSS in the context of, of getting my graphics to move. Um, but of course things like, you know, web design layout came later, but it was never something I was initially interested in.
0: Um, that's interesting. And I'm, again, this is something going, not what I was originally planning to ask, but you brought up, let me preface this. So everything that you did was, intrinsically motivated because you wanted to do it and you weren't told you had to I mean okay so the, how much was it intrinsic that you just wanted to do it versus extrinsic where people on twitter um blogs whatever you were reading were telling you these were the things you needed to do right does that make sense
1: yeah well <laughs> Honestly, it's just I couldn't retain the information unless I was applying it to exactly what I wanted to be doing. No, that makes um, sense. So there were no blogs explaining how to create a CSS crab, okay, and make its eyes move. But that's what I wanted to do. And so that's what I did. And in doing that, I accidentally learned a lot about, positioning and layout (laughs) because to get all those little crab parts um, exactly where they need to be, you have to be really good at uh, CSS positioning for sure. Um, So I sort of tricked myself into learning these things because it really wasn't where I I saw myself going. I didn't see myself being a web designer exactly. I was just sort of having fun and and being artistic and, and learning new tools.
0: Um, so you mentioned that you didn't have, you didn't go to school for design or for illustration or for development, but and I, in reading through your bio, you have a BA in history with a minor in anthropology, political science, and the human services administration, the master's. But I'm curious about your BA with the minors in anthropology and political science. How much do you... do? of that knowledge, that education helps you as a designer, illustrator, front-end developer?
1: Well, at first, I, I was actually kind of crushed because I'm like, oh, no, what have I done? I spent all this money and all this time on school, and it's, like, irrelevant now. Um, and that was hard at first, but I quickly realized that um, that's, of course, not the case, um, it's made me a better designer in so many ways. Um, concerning my undergrad experience, my biggest takeaway from that was just challenging things that are established as norm, um, learning to speak up and, and question things that other people say. Um, until that point in my life, I mean, all through you know high school and middle school, you just sort of do what you're told and and you're not Mm -hmm. supposed to question anything someone tells you. Um, and then of course now I'm learning that I can, and it's really kind of cool to have a conversation with somebody, uh, when you don't agree with them. And that's incredibly valuable. And then as my, um, concerning my master's degree, um, human services, focus in grant writing. The grant writing process, when I was a grant writer, um, which was a whole lifetime ago at this point, was really all about breaking down complex things in in really easy to digest ways for people Mm -hmm. in in a way that gets stakeholder buy-in. And that's really sort of what I do every day still. So... It all sort of came full circle. It's a little bit of a unique background, and I got here in a little, you know, it's pretty not the average way to get here. Um, But I think there's a lot of pros to having a non-traditional design background as well.
0: Well, what is a traditional way? I I don't think that exists still.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't really know. I mean, that's most of the designers I work with. I mean, I rarely ever hear – I went to a four-year design school, and I graduated, and now I'm a designer. Um, Everyone sort of has a really cool path, and I love to hear about people's backgrounds for sure.
0: Yeah, I didn't start going to school until my late 20s, so I had a very non-traditional route as well. (laughs) Um, Okay, so in addition to being a good illustrator and a designer, you're also a front-end developer, is the term front-end developer correct term for what you do or how you perceive what you do?
1: Um I guess it's tricky. I sort of lose track of all the different titles to be honest. Um but I suppose I would say I'm more of a front-end designer over a developer. Okay. If that makes sense.
0: Okay. No, that that makes sense, but you and and the reason I'm asking that is it's it's becoming so blurred for me educationally. Yeah. To train somebody to be a screen-based designer, they need to know f- some front-end development to get something on the screen <laughs> to Man. then discuss, critique, talk about, and learn from. So is that really development or is that just enabling design? And I'm kind of struggling with where that balance is for entry-level students.
1: Right. Yeah, it's definitely hard. Um, Everybody sort of has different strong convictions about that. Um, But I guess I always say, like, there's really nothing more empowering than being able to build your own designs. Um, When you sort of hand over a mock-up to somebody they, they might not be picking up on all your details uh, that you've worked so hard on and your little micro interactions that you're <laughs> super proud of and you know that are gonna like really enrich a user experience. Um, so a lot, a lot can get lost in translation. So being able to just sort of take over that part of it as well. Um, once you have a taste of that power, um, you, it's hard to deny the benefit of, of having that knowledge
0: no that's that's useful because I never th- I never thought about the idea of the in print design you can when you design something you can you can get a printer and you can print it out and you can put together a book you can tile together a poster I mean you can make it tangible and real but right. if you're just a visual designer and you're just doing mockups in whatever the you know the current flavor of the month is tools-wise. Exactly. There's no... That's it. There's no, like, satisfaction of seeing a finished product. At least in my perspective, and obviously you agree, but I'm, I've i never stopped to ask my students if they ever saw it that way themselves. Are they like... Do they really care if it's, you know, functioning?
1: And right. I've, never, I've
0: never... That's something I'm going to have to ask them this semester. I never thought about that. You also have a passion for teaching you are a co-founder and co-organizer of Girl develop Wilmington and you created a kids web design tutorial series for um, toots plus called toots plus town um, I read your I read about your struggle with how to teach children HTML and CSS Um, Having taught HTML and CSS through Girl Develop It, do you find that adults and children need to be approached the same or differently when it's being introduced to HTML and CSS?
1: Um, Yeah, I'm finding that teaching is really what I'm most passionate about these days, for sure. Um, But I do remember telling people that teaching middle schoolers uh, and teaching adults this stuff, you know, HTML, CSS, SVG, uh, felt very similar, and I was surprised at how similar it felt. Um, I got a lot of the same questions. Both groups found the same types of concepts to be tricky, um, and both responded very well to doing over a lecture format. So I always try to make it a point for students to see um, a change that they've done produce a result on the screen within the first 10 minutes of class. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so motivating and it's really neat to see their faces light up when they can move something like, you know, vector grapes around the screen, for example. Um, So so it was very similar, and and I was surprised at how similar it was.
0: Yeah, that was that was my kind of realization. That I mean, it's it's new to them. So whether so cognitively, as long as the you know the person's old enough to learn, you know, these concepts, there's really no difference in how to approach them.
1: Right. Uh, um.
0: When you're giving the demos in class, and yes, I I know that it's so important for them to see something right away. Are they following along with you?
1: Well, what I do is I use CodePen Mm -hmm. as a teaching tool. And so I will have a collection for every class that is a base for everyone to work from. So the first example, you'll open it up and I'll have the code ready for you with instructions written within noted sections of of the CSS. Um, so I just sort of will present this to them, let, their, let them get their bearings a little bit by just sort of throwing them into it because, I mean, I can talk about this stuff at them all day, but mm-hmm. the truth is, like, I could go on for days and you're still going to be just as... Overwhelmed when you when you when you see that code looking back at you. Um, so I just sort of approach it as let's just do this sooner than later, um, and let's just get comfortable with the general syntax. Like here's what we see, here's why all this code is just a fruit on the screen, um, and here's the little pieces, and and here's what we can do with it, and then they can just jump in with animations based off a foundation I've prepared for them already.
0: Okay. Because I think one of the biggest problems that I struggle with in the classroom when I'm teaching HTML and CSS is um, for the longest time I'll have them just, I'll do a demo. So we'll start off with the blank page. We'll slowly build the page. Um, We'll talk about what the tags are. I know what their purpose is, you know, what they're marking up and then we'll keep adding pieces and you know they can follow along they can get it while we're in class but tell them to go home and replicate it it it's a it just doesn't work Right. <laughs> they forget the minute they leave the classroom and so that's my biggest challenge is like how do i get them to retain this information when i can't be there to you know keep them practicing outside of class
1: yeah um Yeah, I guess the only experience I have with that is just um, providing people with the materials that we worked on and giving them sort of, like, here's some challenges, like, here's some additional things you can do with this demo. Um, So really just, because, I mean, at the end of the day, the reality is you, you so rarely are, like, starting a project from scratch. You're... Most of the time, you're working with somebody else's code, mm-hmm. and that is so much harder than writing. You mm-hmm. know that that's a dream, right? Writing something from scratch all the time, like starting new with your own fresh code, that's not reality. Reality is working with someone else's code, and it's hard. Um, and the best way to learn is to just, um, you know, I, I guess I'll mention CodePen again because mm-hmm. that was just so critical to me getting my skills and getting started. Um, I just would go in there and before I even knew what the heck I was looking at, I was like breaking people's things and there's so much you can learn by like deleting a line of code and be like, oh yeah, look what happened when I did that. That's really cool. Um, you know, what else will happen if I, if I change this or that? Um, so just sort of getting comfortable with, with someone else's work first. Um, I've seen some positive results from that for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's one thing I'm kind of surprised about. And it's an observation when I'm working with students is, you know, when we start positioning, I'll say, well, you know, I'm, we'll walk through, we'll make a page layout. And then we'll make like two or three different layouts. But unbeknownst to them that those two Two to three layouts, or probably if you took pieces and parts from each one of them, could reproduce any layout that's on the web today, right? But they don't see that. Oh, I can just take this and put it over here. That is a foreign concept of like yes. picking these pieces apart that I can't figure out how to yeah. articulate
1: patterns, patterns, and Creating like flexible, reusable components is definitely an advanced skill. Um, I think in a perfect world, you teach the, that to people up front, so it's the only way they know how to do things. But I think in reality, it's, it's very hard. It's very hard to grasp that. And I think you have to know how to do it the wrong way first to know why that's so right, <laughs> if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it, well, yes, it makes sense, but also, know the grand scheme of things, it doesn't because copying and pasting is pretty simple,
1: right? Because <laughs> that's exactly. the skill
0: you need to be able to copy a pattern, paste it into yours, right? I mean, it should be simple, but I didn't. I it's an advanced skill. I love that term. Um, so another question is: in addition to being a designer, illustrator, developer, you're um also a writer and so you wrote the SVG pocket guide and a lot of blog posts on using SVGs to create some pretty amazing designs. I, I'm bringing this up specifically because I want to know your thoughts on what an interactive or web designer needs to be able to to be successful in the industry do they need to have all of those skill sets that you you possess?
1: Definitely not. I mean, I'm always cautious in listing out skills
0: yeah. that I
1: think are key to success because it, it just varies so much depending on the position and the situation. I mean, it's not uncommon to work with four designers that have like very little overlapping skill sets. Um, but for me, I just learned exactly what I needed to in order to, you know, carry out whatever projects I was working on. So um, it took me down a slightly strange path, as I said, but I, I wouldn't really have it any other way because I've, I've had my hand in, in a lot of different things, and it's helping me um, hone in on exactly what it is I want to be doing. Um, and then, you know, getting back to the whole being empowered by being able to build out your, your own designs, um, you don't have to rely on the hopeful design eye of someone else picking up all the work that you've done. Um, you have complete control there. And so you can really see it through and it can be exactly as you intended. Um, whereas otherwise when you're handing it off, there's really no promise there. So it's always something I, I pitch as like, A huge bonus, but I I certainly know lots of designers that don't um, know HTML and CSS, and they're very talented, and they they don't see it as being limiting. So it it really just varies so much. It's hard to say.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the issue that design education is facing now. Um, Sort of like, I would say, you know, back in the day, when there was a mechanical paste up, this is before computers, there was an orchestra of people that was necessary to create a design. Right. And then that slowly got funneled into, you know, one person on a computer can produce the same thing that everybody back in the 60s, you know, a team. And so now you're funneling back out again to you need a team to produce something. And it's really hard for me to... Figure out, you know, you're you're not going to be able to do everything, but what is enough <laughs> to right. lead you to you know to get your foot in the door and let you decide what path you really want to um, go down. So from so from your experience working on these teams or working with other people, I mean, do you do you see like a thread that like like some skill sets not skill? Well, I know. You, not necessarily skills, but is there certain like things that help commonalities that help everybody like come to the same, you know, get on the same ground to make sense?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I really can't even just say like, Oh, this certain tool will, yeah. you know, make your life better. And, um, cause that tool will change tomorrow. And that's really not the hard stuff. I, where I think, What I think is the most challenging is, you know, things that are regarded as like, quote unquote, soft skills. (laughs) So I think that designers, so often our work feels instinctual and we're not very good all the time at articulating our decisions because it feels like instinct brought us to this layout decision. Um, but that's not good enough. We need to explain exactly why we did that. And on top of that, why we didn't do something else, uh, because we need to explain ourselves to people. Um, we can't just come up with designs and, and not be open to, to feedback of any kind um, and base this off you know gut instincts. So So, learning how to communicate these things that at first seemed instinctual is really difficult. Um, So, the best designers I've worked with are very good at explaining why they do something, um, why they didn't do something else. And it just makes them just such a pleasure to work with, honestly. And that's like a type of skill that it's really hard to like have a class on that, you know. Yeah. It It just comes from experience, really. Um, and also the, some designers can be really quick and I was definitely like this. Um, and I can still be in situations where I feel a tendency towards this, but as soon as you get feedback, um, you sort of shut down and you just want to like throw it out and just make the person happy Mm -hmm. and just do what they, they, they want done, um, but you need to be strong and you need to stand up for yourself. And there's certainly compromises that can be made. But at the end of the day, you're the designer and it's up to you to be the designer and, and explain yourself and, um, but also make the client happy at the same time.
0: No, that's, that's perfect. And this actually leads into the last question that I wanted to ask. Um, and it has to do with your writing Um, So I really enjoyed reading through your blog. I love how you document your learning process, your insights as you approach each new project. So, I mean, if I had one wish when it came to design education, I would want students to write and document each project each semester over their entire academic careers. Right. And so what they would graduate with would be an amazing asset to them. And I think that kind of dovetails into what you're talking about is that... They would be able to articulate their ideas there, so they could write out why they were approaching something, and then they could, you know, when a client, and you know, comes back and says, "No, I don't like this visual direction," they they have this written document. Say so like, N- "This is why," and right. they could clearly articulate it. Um, can you kind of like just talk about how you got into that process of writing, or? how... How do you keep up with it on such a regular basis?
1: Um, yeah. Well, something I learned early on was that students make the best teachers. Um, you remember exactly what was tricky about something, so you can speak directly to that right off the bat, and that's invaluable to people that are also starting out. Um, and it helps you remember the information better. You can retain it better. Um, so as soon as I started learning, I, I just started writing and I, I don't have a glamorous process at all. It's literally, I will open, you know, I'll start a blog post draft and I just start like brain dumping words. Like this is what I found tricky today. Um, and here's what I know about it so far. And here's where, what I would like to know about it. Um, and then eventually I sort of <laughs> piece that together into a cohesive article. Um, But the hardest part for me was just being brave enough to to publish that first post. Because Mm. I think everyone's really afraid to be wrong. And um, once you realize that that's really not that bad, like being wrong is really not that bad because... What's going to happen is, if you're lucky, someone's going to call you out on it. And you're going to be like, okay, like let me fix that. So you've started a conversation, and now you know better. So I guess the worst case scenario is that nobody calls you out, and you, you go on thinking something <laughs> to be true that's false. So um, just getting over that initial fear um, is huge. And then part of my motivation to start writing was sort of giving back to the community because Mm -hmm. I was able to learn everything I've learned for free, which coming from, like, a traditional education background, like, that's insane to me. Like, these people are just sharing their knowledge for free, and you can literally start a career based on, you know, this information that people are giving you based off their experience, which is so cool. Um, So I wanted to, to give back and sort of help make the community better in a way. Um, so, yeah, I don't, know if I, <laughs> no, that, I don't that, know if I answered your question. No, that,
0: that, that perfectly did, because, I, again, I, I mentioned, like, students intrinsically need to want to do this. Me telling them to do it, they'll do it, but that doesn't it's not the same when it's like coming from them. And so just hearing you like what you're, why you were doing it kind of gives me some insights that I hadn't thought about. So it's hopefully I can, (laughs) it'll give me something to try anyway. (laughs) All right, Joni, uh, before I let you go, is there anything you are working on that you would like to share or something you want to promote, or maybe a final piece of advice you'd like to give design educators that we didn't already cover?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess any final advice I could give is to just try to make the community better with every project that you're a part of, um, and make yourself uncomfortable. Um, I always push myself to do things like far before I feel I'm ready, um, cause I've just learned that I will never feel ready mm-hmm. and, you know, getting into teaching was a really scary thing for me. Um, but I pushed myself and I was incredibly uncomfortable and now it's my favorite thing in the world. Um, and then just, you know, trying out different things like with the demos, um, just really hands-on stuff. I've, I've gotten a lot of good feedback for All
0: right. Well, well, thank you for, um, And thank you for your time. So that's all we have time for today on Episode 18 of Design EDU Today. I want to thank today's guest, Joni Trithal, for being so generous with her time. I want to thank the audience for listening, and I want to thank the Design EDU Today hosting sponsor, DigitalOcean and give a special shout-out to CDN sponsor Fastly um, for all their help as I've been switching the server over from HTTP to HTTP2 and switching over the SSL certificates. Um, I also want to thank the AIGA and the AIGA Design Educators community for their generous support of my research that led to this podcast series. If you want to discover more, about the design edu today podcast and read the session notes and transcripts visit us on the web at designedu.today you can also follow us on twitter at designedu today like our facebook page or subscribe to this podcast through the itunes store thank you for listening to designedu today